Hey everyone, it's Cappy. As you probably noticed, this week we have a special bonus episode with one of our incredible partners, Ford's Gin. We had a fun conversation with Simon Ford of Ford's Gin. If you want to hear more about Simon's journey in creating Ford's Gin, check out our previous bonus episode with him in Season 6, Episode 12. Simon, it's good to have you here as always. And this episode is pretty interesting. As we mentioned, it's a bonus episode, but I feel like for me, it's this culmination of all of this martini talk that we've been having this season of Beyond the Drink. And I know you've tuned into some of the episodes with the incredible bartenders you had, but literally, I think I knew the martini is an important drink, right? But I think nearly every bartender we've had referenced the martini at some point during their episode. It could have been the one gin cocktail everyone must try, they said a martini, or the last drink they had, a said a martini, or the gin cocktail that they brought to the table for us and created, they would say, this is a play off of a martini. And I just found that so fascinating for such a simple drink, the amount of directions it could go. So I'll shut up because this isn't a bonus episode with me, but given all the martini <laughs> talk, before we get into it, would you agree? Like, would you say it's one of the more important or iconic drinks of our time? I think it is the most important and iconic cocktail of them all, right? Just that symbol of the glass that we often refer to as a martini glass that's technically a cocktail glass evokes an image of that drink, right? It's been put in neon signs. It's been sort of a cult classic drink throughout movies. You name it. It like really is that symbol of what cocktail culture is about. And we've been in a cocktail culture that's been drinking quite strong, stirred, spiritous drinks like the old fashioned and gin is having its day in the purest expression of gin in, in its cocktail form is in a martini. It really is. The majority of that drink is gin. And so gin is allowed to be the star and not really share the spotlight. You know, it has a supporting cast, you know, the vermouth, the bitters, the garnish, but the star of the show is the gin. With that, welcome to Be On The Plate. Hey everyone, I'm Cappy and you're listening to Beyond the Plate. I'm a chef by trade and hospitality professional. By day, I head up Rachel Ray's culinary operations and co-founded her cooking and kids charity called Yummo. Five years ago, I had the idea to put together a podcast where we sit down with the world's culinary elite to explore their journey into the food industry and the social impact they have made in their community. Hence, the name Beyond the Plate. If you're new to the pod, welcome. If you listened before, we're so glad you're back. We hope this episode inspires you to cook or, like the chefs we feature, make a difference in your community. And we're grateful to our partners who make this podcast a reality. One more thing, we have some awesome Beyond the Plate merch. You can find a link in your podcast player or go to our website, beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Head on over and check out our hats, tees, hoodies, and more. Again, that's beyondtheplatepodcast.com. But for this week's episode, Simon and I talk about a new program they're doing called Music to Drink Martinis To. This is a love letter to the iconic martini cocktail and the brand's affinity for music. There's a seven-track vinyl LP with an accompanying booklet that is filled with martini tips and tricks and seven martini recipes from globally acclaimed bartenders. Anyhow, without further ado, please enjoy this episode as we go beyond the plate and beyond the drink with Simon Ford of Ford's Gin. 
Now that people have learned to truly appreciate what gin is about, this drink is having a major comeback right now. For me, it's never been a comeback. It's always been how I've enjoyed drinking gin. But now that people trust gin again as a category, the martini is back. And again, that symbol that we talk about, it, the, it evokes that, the sort of emotions in you. You know, the martini bar, you know, the martinis in movies. It's a drink that lives beyond being just a drink. It's a drink that's like a lifestyle, and there aren't many drinks that can claim that, right? If I say pina colada to you, you take straight to the beach, right? By the pool. If I say martini to you, that's even more personal because some people find themselves at the Savoy Hotel with their jacket on. You know? Some people find themselves in a smoky piano bar in New Orleans listening to Tom Waits. But it, it's something somewhere that this symbol of this drink, the martini, evokes and it sort of leads to this lifestyle. I don't think there are many cocktails that you might dress up for, but if we said we're going out for martinis... You're not necessarily throwing on shorts and a t-shirt or something. You're like, <laughs> I mean, maybe... <laughs> Like, no, exactly. And that's what's personal about it, right? You know, but it, it does evoke that. And so we've been sort of exploring what it means to drink a martini and what martini culture is beyond just the recipe of the actual drink lately. And that's been a lot of fun, just sort of looking at its position in movies, looking at how People have served things like caviar and martinis are quite big again. Oysters and martinis have been a classic pairing throughout the ages. It's been another aperitivo drink, but it's also been an after-dinner drink. It has that dual purpose of being aperitivo, aperitif, or digestif. It's certainly a great way to start one's evening. And it's the type of thing that you think about when you go to a five-star sort of classic hotel at the bar, you know, I'm going to have a martini. It's almost like champagne in many ways. It just evokes images. I love it. I love it. And so we mentioned this in the intro and you mentioned this, but for everyone listening, if you want to learn more about Fort's Gin and Simon's journey to creating that gin and what it is and what it means, it's incredibly entertaining educational, inspirational. You could go to season six of the podcast. It's episode 12. But beyond that, to your point, I mean, it's so funny. You mentioned like, I'm literally imagining, and I don't know where this bar is. I think it's in Chicago, a neon martini glass on a sign that's so funny. But yeah, I mean, shake and stirred the ice, the glass, the gin, the vermouth, the bitters, the garnish. It's what I said at the beginning, this simple drink, but there's a lot of ways to go with it, which is very cool. Tell us all about music to drink martinis too. Well, this is sort of the beginning of our Team Ford's gin journey into exploring martini culture beyond the cocktail itself. And so we sort of talked about what we might wear, what we might serve with our martini. And then we felt that most people have a soundtrack to their martini. And when we ask people that question, it's really interesting what they might say, you know? Some people sort of go, oh, Sinatra, Rat Pack, that makes me you know, want to drink a martini, that's what I feel like it's in the background. Some people sort of talk about, oh yeah, jazz bands and so on and so forth. Again, I think I mentioned Tom Waits earlier and sort of piano bars and things like that. You know, for me, it was always kind of like this sort of hip hop. It was my martini soundtrack of all the music genres that I love. And so music to drink martinis to, it's sort of born out of one of my favorite acts for my martini soundtrack, which is the Handsome Boy Modeling School. The Handsome Boy Modeling School is sort of made up of Chess Rockwell, which is the alter ego of DJ Prince Paul and Nathaniel Merriweather, which is the alter ego of Dan the Automator. Now, DJ Prince Paul, obviously hip hop 
royalty de la soul steps of sonic one of my personal favorite albums the grave diggers he was in all of those and then i'd say probably another artist that's been with me for the last 20 years is the gorillas and danny automated produced them so uh, deltron 3030 so you know, these two are seasoned veterans when it comes to hip-hop and of course the handsome boy modeling school was them dressed up in smoking jackets putting on fake mustaches and playing this sort of role and so they don't take themselves too seriously in this area and they've put together a soundtrack for martinis for Ford's gin which has been a collaboration and this meant research we went to martini bars martini bars that would have the neon sign you know and the fake palm trees that had been around for a hundred years we also went to some of the modern classic places and sort of sought inspiration and then Dan and Paul have put together an album with some guest artists that sort of hopefully evoking the soundtrack of their martini experiences it's got a lounge singer from Japan I guess she's a jazz musician jazz pianist called Emmy Meyer and she's done a track with them so we've got a, a rapper from New York called Jay Live so we've so there's different genres and there's some instrumental tracks on the album and of course we've taken this music and put it on a vinyl record vinyl is cool again apparently you know like what goes around right and it's pressed in a beautiful beautiful forged gin green as well and of course, you can't just put the music out and not bring the martinis into it if this is what this is all about. And so we found bartenders from all over the world to uh, pair martini recipes with the tracks. We've got some of the finest and they all have a story of their own as well. We have Ryan Chetiwandana, who's uh, always been a big supporter of Ford's. Whenever we threw a party, he was always there. And he's like, Simon, make me have, let me have the bar that's closest to the music. Let me have the bar that's closest to where the people are having the most fun to the music. And he's always been asking for that. And so he's been a part of many of the things we've done with Fords. We have a guy called Sly Augustine who owns a bar called Trailer Happiness, which has always been one of my favorite bars in London. It's actually a rum bar, technically. Having him on a gin album, it was interesting. But we threw an event, I want to say four or five years ago, where we had Ghostface Killer and Requan from the Wu-Tang Clan play a surprise show at one of our events. And he got up on stage and rapped an entire song, song ver, you know, verse with them and blew the audience away and blew uh, Ghostface and Requan away as well. And it was just one of those moments that is sort of captured in the, in our history as a brand, Forge Gin. So it felt right to go and get a recipe from him. But we have bartenders from all over the world have basically submitted recipes. And then we put this little guide together which I think you mentioned you'd read over the weekend, that is how to enjoy music and martinis. And so we are going to, I guess, you know, continue this, this, this mission of saying the martini is more than a drink, it is a lifestyle. And that's what music to drink martinis too is kickstarting for us. And I hope that this goes on and on and on that we get to have fun with this. It's certainly one of the most fun projects I have worked on in my career. That's so cool. It's funny you mentioned that booklet and I thought I would give it a glance when someone says you got to check out this show. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just watch the first few minutes and just see what it's about. And then you like you wind up watching multiple episodes. You're like, oh, that's really good. That booklet, I was like, oh, I'll give it a glance. So I'm like aware what it's aware of, it, you know, what it's about. And then I read it like front to back. I was like, this was so cool. My favorite part of that booklet is uh, Dan the Automator, or should I say Nathaniel Merriweather's comment 
comments on each of the martini recipes. You're like that brings that handsome boy cheekiness to the to it, where he sort of talks about, oh gosh, another recipe with sherry in it. I remember when Massive Attack gave yeah. me Harvey's Bristol Cream when I was in. <laughs> yeah, there's Bristol, like a the, the equivalent of a, a, you read like a, a a food recipe, and it it will say like chef's notes or pro tip or cook, and you guys have those in the booklet for. If you're ordering a martini in this country, make sure you don't ask for this or the kind of the do's and don'ts in a way or little tips. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And adding a little bit of humor to it so that we're not like, you know, we don't want it to be pretentious in any way. Like there's a danger that you can cross that line if you're talking about something as luxurious as drinking a, a martini. So we, but we don't want it to be like that. We want the martini to be fun and accessible as well. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. Our mutual friend, David, he hears me say this when I, when we talk to all the bartenders for the Beyond the Dream episodes, I always try to learn their point of view and learn more about vermouth because I'm not very familiar with it. So I always want to know like, which one should I buy? Wh which, how much do I use? How much do you use? What are your, what's your thought on it type thing? And to your point about it being fun, approachable and little funny tidbits, if you will, in the booklet, one of my favorite parts is when you all are mentioning vermouth and it says, and I'm quoting this, Treat it like a new pair of dunks and keep it as fresh as possible, <laughs> which is brilliant because I bet there's people listening that have it on their shelf, not in the refrigerator. And is that right? It's once you open it, probably yeah. it's should be kept cool. Yeah, you want to put it in the fridge. I think that the official line is once it's opened, keep it in the fridge and then it should last for about two to three months. And if you still have any left after <laughs> three months, you're probably not drinking enough martinis. So I'm <laughs> going to ask you now, what like if I'm going into the liquor store down the street to get vermouth to make a martini at home, like how do I know if there's three or five or seven different vermouths? Should I ask them? Like, Gosh, that's a tough question to answer, right? Because, I, and I'll tell you, I'm looking at my phone right now not for anything other than i text message toby cicchini who's one of my favorite bartenders has long island bar and i was having a massive conversation about vermouth with him the other day and i was at the liquor store last night buying a bottle of fords actually and some champagne for valentine's and so on and i asked his specs for a martini and i'm going down a little bit of a path right now where i've bought all these different vermouths and i'm testing them slowly but surely i don't want to open lots of bottles and then have them go off so it's a slow process of tasting but when i developed fords obviously the martini was a huge part of what we wanted to achieve was a great gin for martinis and we used Dolan, Blanc, dry vermouth. We used Nolly, which was a sort of stronger vermouth. And that with Fords, you need a little bit less. Whereas with Dolan, we do 50-50s with Fords, no problem. And so different vermouths for different ratios, right? But then lately, a lot of bars I've been to have been throwing in a sweet vermouth, just a touch, adding a real splash of sweetness to it. And some even like saline solution. And it's been amazing. So I asked Toby last night when I was at the store, what is it? And he said, go for Koki Extra Dry, Mati Cap Course Blanc. And so that's what I went and bought. I didn't get around to drinking martinis last night. But that, just to give you an example of how complex it is, it's, uh, you know, and, and obviously the martini being so personal, I'm going down a rabbit hole of trying different vermouths because there's so much more on the shelf just this year than there was about three, four years ago. So while my answer probably for the last 10 years has been 
Dolan, Nolly, the classics. I think that we should do a, an episode maybe in a, a couple of seasons just on vermouth and the differences, you know, bring in a couple of bartenders and talk about it. And I think it would be really interesting for listeners to sort of hear the different styles and what they do. But adding this different vermouth, I mean, one of my favorite martini recipes in the world is Atlas Bar in Singapore. And they use an ambarato, which is sort of this slightly aged vermouth, which is slightly sweet, you know, but it's mostly dry. So when, when you say people are adding a touch of sweet are they adding a regular dry vermouth which is white or clear and then a like a dash of a sweet which is usually red right it's probably a beautiful looking martini also right i mean vermouth back in the day when you you think of ogden nash's recipes as a, a yellow or mellow martini vermouth used to actually before filtration used to have a little bit of color to it. And so martinis never used to be clear once upon a time, but now they are. So it's okay that your martini isn't perfectly clear. Although I will say I'm a big fan of a very crisp, clean, uh, you know, glass of gin. You know, I was at, there's a newish restaurant here in Chicago called Les Select, Boca Restaurant Group open, and it's obviously French, but there's a really cool drink on the menu. I forgot the name, but the server was telling me I was asking him about it because it referenced a martini and he said it's served over ice where they drink this version of a martini somewhere in France. They drink it over ice and he, and it came, as you mentioned, saline solution and them too. They use the saline solution. It was a beautiful cocktail, but I hadn't heard of that. I mean, the history of the martini is born out of more complex drinks than just gin, vermouth, a little bit of bitters. That's sort of what it evolved into. Obviously, it was born out of the Martinez, which was a essentially a gin Manhattan, which started with sweet vermouth. And then you had a drink called the gin and it which gin, uh, the it part was short for Italian and Italian vermouth back then used to sort of mean it was sweet and French vermouth used to mean it was dry back in the day. And so the gin and it was then sweet vermouth. So they've been together for a long time. The dry martini sort of was born out of the early 1900s and it just sort of got drier and drier as the quality of gin got better and gin got drier. And that was where our taste buds were going. But now we're in this experimental age where adding a splash of chartreuse or maraschino these things are actually historic and have been done before, but we're doing them again right now. And it's really, really nice to see it come around and become even more complicated than just gin and vermouth and the various different ratios that you can enjoy with those two and all of the different vermouths now available. It's amazing how you mentioned this culture and you guys are almost like putting, you're putting the martini on this, on a pedestal. But simultaneously, this booklet is making it approachable, like at the same time. It's like, listen to what you want to listen to. What's going to create that experience for you? Drink it how you want to drink it. There's not one. Like chefs say, they always say like the creases in a chef's toque represent the hundred or hundred or one ways that you can scramble an egg or cook an egg or something like that. And it's almost like drink the martini how you like to drink the martini. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It can be intimidating going up to a bar for the first time. And when you don't know how to read the menu, I mean, there's a lot of products. I mean, we're professionals. We see this shelf of two, three hundred bottles and we know what they do, what they taste like, right? But the, for every consumer, that takes a bit of learning and you can't expect that. It's just the same with wine. But the song comes along and the bartender does that. I think that the journey that we want to take uh, with music to drink martinis to is, hey, have fun. 
I've seen people have their very first martini and of course get taken back by how strong it is. And it's like, they might not have even liked it at that moment, but they're always going to remember their first martini. And I think that that's kind of what's fun about it too. It doesn't have to suddenly be your drink all the time. In fact, I recommend that it's not. The martini is actually quite a strong drink and has its place and moment. But, you know, after a martini, probably never more than two and move on to something a lot lighter <laughs> for sure. You know, I, when I was in uh, my wine class at Culinary Institute of America, one of our professors, Professor Colpan was his name. He, I think it was him. He was talking about this experience he had. I want to say it was maybe drinking Vino Verde in Portugal or something like that. And he said it was one of the best experiences he's ever had drinking wine. Wine. He was on a little boat drinking wine out of a Dixie cup, a little paper cup, like shucking and eating oysters, like basically out of the water. And I always remember that because you think he was going to say, I was at a three Michelin star restaurant in France, but that wasn't what his best and most memorable experience was. So I guess I'm curious for you, like, do you have a most memorable martini experience? <laughs> <laughs> You're like this week oh, or no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are many. I do have to sort of, I think, quote, you know, trying a martini from Ago Peroni at the Connell. I've gone as far away from being in the back of a boat out of a paper cup now. And I've gone to one of the most sort of uh, exclusive hotels in London. The bar is one best bar, God knows how many times. And Ago is one best bartender, God knows how many times. But when he does a martini, he turns it into theater. It's that tableside flambe. It's like he does the martini version. And I don't think I've I think I can remember every single time I've ever been to that bar and had a martini. He brings out various different tinctures that he adds as accentuating flavors. When they pour the martini, there's often a second bartender putting the twist through the liquid so that the liquid goes into your glass with all of those essential oils from the lemon twist as it enters the glass. And the whole thing is done with such precision. They don't spill a drop. And, it, and I think that that might be my most memorable martini. I'll never forget this. I once made a pre-batch bottled martini and I was going to drink it at the top of Mount Kilimanjaro with some of the ice from the glacier there. And I hiked to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro to find out that I'd left the bottled martini back in my tent. <laughs> so that would have been, but it didn't quite happen. All photo opportunities for Instagram. Man, yeah, that's too much. That's funny. <laughs> I thought if you do such hard work, you deserve a martini. And I was like, so looking forward to it. By the time I got back to the bottom, all I wanted to do was sleep. Oh gosh, <laughs> that's so funny. I mean, so you're a, is there like a casual way? Like you're a music guy, right? You've been to plenty of concerts, I'm sure. Is there a way to drink a martini at a concert? I mean, obviously you've got to be able to find the gin and the vermouth. We've done this before at music festivals where we've got a little mini minis of gin and vermouth. We found the, the cup, we've got the ice, we've stirred it, like the whole thing, and sipped martinis at a music venue, and it's been fun. Of course, you know, if I think about pairings, I do think a martini pairs very well with oysters in a fine establishment. But, you know, we drank our martinis, we felt good. We even did Negronis that way at this particular music festival, but I think we were back to margaritas and beer after that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, let's do a quick martini theme speed round, and then we could close it up. Okay. Oh, Number gosh. one, where and what was the last martini you drank? The last martini I drank was at home, out of my freezer. I always have a pre-made freezer martini, pre-batched, pre-diluted that I can just pour into a glass. I've got the chilled martini glasses in that fridge and there's always a lemon on hand just for the garnish. It takes a few minutes. And so the last martini I had was 
was one made by my own hands. Love it. All right, number two, you may have answered this, but I'll give it another go. Everyone should try a blank martini at blank. Oh, well, I obviously talked about trying at the Connell, but let's go for another one. And I also talked about how good the one that Atlas is, which is you know, one of my favorites. Everyone should try a, I need something a little bit more casual than all of these super fancy places, high-end places that are hard to get to. Everyone should try a, ooh, I'm definitely not going to say dirty martini. Of, of all the great martinis, I think everyone should try a Vesper martini at the Duke's Hotel in London or a Duke's martini at the Duke's Hotel in London, which is the Vesper martini obviously made famous by the Ian Fleming novel Casino Royale, probably born out of the bar, the Dukes. But the Dukes Hotel do, I guess, a naked martini, I guess you can call it, where they bring the gin straight from a freezer. They do it tableside also. They put a squeeze of vermouth. They have the big, long lemon peel, and then they just pour this gin, and it gloops into the glass. I, I recommend only one because it, it, it's not but it's very tasty. And this is a, for true gin lovers. The controversial one. I know some people that don't like that one as much, but it's definitely one that everyone should try at least once in their life. It's a bucket list martini. That's cool. How about the last martini pick you took on your phone? It's probably last week in Chicago. Let's have a look quickly. The last martini. Oh, the last one I posted was one of Dan the Automator drinking a martini at his keyboard. <laughs> and oh, I had a martini at um, Kumiko in Chicago. Julia Mamos, who uses sake in it. Yeah, delicious. She has a recipe in the booklet too, which looks pretty good. She does, exactly. So that's why I went to say hi and said, hey, the, the record's coming out in a week. Love it, you know? love it. And last one, is it okay if I order a martini over ice? Good question. What do you mean by martini over ice? Is it just like pour gin, gin, over, need gin over ice like sometimes people do with vodka? I, I, I just, I, I don't feel like the martini glass for me feels a little too dainty. I like to just hold a rocks glass and I drink rather slow. So maybe I like it over ice because my drink stays colder longer. Maybe that's my reason. You know what? It wouldn't surprise me if this became a new trend, just like sipping martinis. You know, right now it's sort of a drink that you sort of have one of and it's cold. I don't have an issue with drinking a martini over ice. No, I don't. If anyone gives me a funny look, I'm going to tell them that you approve. I do it with Negronis all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Exactly. Simon, this is awesome. Always fun to chat with you. And I feel like I always say, oh, it's just going to be five minutes or 10 minutes. And here we are longer than that, 30 minutes later. But we talked about music and martinis. I mean, they're like t two of my favorite topics, right? So yeah, I'm excited for everybody to hear this, to get their hands on music, to drink martinis, to highly recommend if you're a music fan or a gin fan or a cocktail fan or a martini fan, any of those. But I want to thank you. Thank you. Thank Fords for the partnership. We've been able to talk to some incredible bartenders coast to coast who love Fords, who have created some delicious gin cocktails that they brought for us here on the podcast. And I love hearing a little bit about their journey and how these bartenders give back to the community. And I know Fords has done an incredible work supporting bartenders around the country and cheers to you all. That's, that's awesome. So thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Good to be on the show again. Thanks, Simon. Have a good day. Thank you for tuning into this bonus episode. To learn more about Fords Gin, go to FordsGin.com and follow them on social media at Fords Gin. Fords Gin, we thank you. Please drink responsibly. Ford's London Dry Gin, 45% ABV, Brown Foreman, Louisville, Kentucky. Ford's Gin is a registered trademark.
This episode is produced by myself, along with Ian Cohen and Joel Yetman. Find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at On Cappy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Beyond the Plate is on all the socials at BT Plate Podcast. Our digital media producer is Sarah McClellan Me. Our music has been composed by Goldford. Find him at iGoldford. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy, and remember, there are never too many cooks in the kitchen. <laughs>